You are listening to Wealthy Muslim Woman Podcast, episode number 13, with Saima Ali, MD. Assalamu alaikum, everyone. I hope everyone is doing great. I am doing awesome today. I It was my husband's birthday on Saturday, and we went skydiving. Oh my God, it is the most amazing experience ever. You should definitely put it on your bucket list and definitely, definitely do it whenever you feel ready and whenever you just want to experience the most amazing thing in this world. It was awesome being up in the plane, so, so high, and then just nothing underneath you and just jumping out. It was just, I can't even express it in words, just amazing experience. And then just looking at the New York City skyline and just the earth beneath you and the small houses and the greenery, it's just awesome. So please do it whenever you can and share how you felt afterwards with me. It's awesome. Anyways, speaking about real estate today, a little bit more about real estate. So financing is one of the major points for real estate. There are a couple of ways of financing yourself to start investing in real estate. And I'd like to clarify here first that I am not an Islamic scholar and there are people who will say that the conventional way of getting a mortgage and starting to invest is uh, not not halal. They think the modern day banking interest is a part of riba or usury that's prohibited in the Quran. However, there are other scholars and other Muslims who argue that the modern day banking interest is very different from what the riba is mentioned in the Quran. So you will hear both perspectives. My take on the controversial topics is that I will give you both perspectives and you decide what you will do and what seems right for you. Are there people who think that the conventional mortgage is not halal and have been successful in real estate? Yes, they have. They have been able to create a lot of success for themselves without getting any mortgage on interest. There are a couple of ways of doing this. One way is that you will start saving a lot of cash and once you have enough, you purchase a property with cash and you basically can live there for a while and then turn it into a rental income. And you, you obviously you want to try to buy it at a price that you can save up for. Now, there are also many real estate uh, investment companies out there that advertise as being halal, in a sense that they're not taking any mortgage on interest. And one of the ways they do it is by pooling money from other people. So they will get a bunch of investors together and everybody puts down 5,000, 10,000, 50,000, whatever they can put in. And then they will make these deals with cash. So there are ways of doing it without getting a mortgage from a regular bank, but there are also ways of doing it through the conventional mortgage. 
and we will further discuss some of those ways. Also, there are many, many areas in the U.S. where you probably will be able to buy a property in cash. This is definitely not true for New York City and other high cost of living areas. Uh, Brooklyn, the property values are just gone through the roof. You may be able to purchase a small chicken coop for a million dollars. But there are many areas, even in New Jersey, even outside of New York City, in Albany, in other places where you can literally buy a house for 20000 50000 And obviously, you want to look at other criteria, uh, such as uh, the crime rate in that neighborhood and the schooling and other things. But you may be able to build a real estate equity in a low cost of living area much cheaper than you would be in a high cost of living area. If you also purchased a fixer upper, if a house is really damaged, then you mostly have to do it with cash because the bank will not finance or will not give out a mortgage for a house that's damaged. So you have to usually make cash deals with that as well. That brings us to the BRRRR strategy, it's B and three R's, B-R-R-R. That stands for buy, so you are buying a property that is most likely undervalued and the reason why it's undervalued could be many different. Maybe it needs a new roof, maybe it needs a new foundation, maybe it's damaged vinyl sliding or something like that. So you look at the comps for the area you look you compare whenever you're purchasing a property you always want to compare uh, the value to its neighboring properties that's the most likely price you will be sell the property at when it is truly functional and no renovation is needed so you look at the property and it's it is much undervalued than its neighboring property and that is a good deal to purchase so you decide to buy that property either through cash or if you are financing you are able to get a low financing for that because you are paying a low price for it so you purchase a property and then the next r stands for renovate so let's say this place is either could be a complete gut up so you need to renovate the whole thing and uh, including you know a new roof including the vinyl sliding including everything and then once the property becomes functional then you rent that property out which is the next r and then you refinance that property at a higher price. So let's say, for example, you are able to get a property for $60,000 because it needs a little bit of work. It may, you may be able to get a mortgage for it or not, depending on how bad the property is. And so you purchase a property for $60,000. let us say it needs additional 20,000 or $40,000 of work and that property may be worth you know 140 150 in that area so you purchase the property for 60 you put in additional 40,000 in it to fix that property up and then you rent it and remember the rent rule is at least 1% of the purchase price plus the rehab or plus the renovation so if you put in $60,000 for the property and then you put in $40,000 to fix it up, the 
the total amount that you have put into the property is hundred thousand and you want to get the rent at least a thousand dollars a month for that to be a good deal so three steps you have taken so far you have bought a property that at much lower price than where it's valued then you have renovated the property you have put in additional money to get it fixed up and then you are now renting the property once those steps are taken you can go ahead and refinance that property refinancing is when uh, Sometimes you have, if you have student loans and your interest is really high, let's say 8%, 9%, you want to try to bring that interest low um, so that you're not going to end up paying a lot more over the long run. So you may be, when the interest rates go down, you may be able to get an interest rate of 2 or 3% versus 8%. So you refinance it. Now, another thing to look at in terms of refinancing a house is that you want, in this case, for investment reasons, is that you want to get as much money as you can get out. So if the house is valued at 140, you want to be able to get at least 140 out, and then you are able to use that money to reinvest. Now, you want to get as much money as you can, but you don't want to get so much back that you are not able to pay back so it should be your mortgage should be less than the rent that you are getting by renting that property out it should not be more than that in case something bad happens and you're not able to pay back this way you're under debt and that's not a good situation to be at so you want the rent to you want the mortgage to be low what the property will be able to cover and maybe get some positive cash flow for you as well once you are able to refinance that property and get the additional 140 from the bank then you can go and make another deal you can go purchase another house either as cash or either as um, refinance that as a down payment or use that money to renovate this new property and you are able to this this is how you are able to build more equity in real estate that's one of the ways in which you can start building more equity in real estate, the Burr method. I think it was coined by the bigger pockets uh, host, but this has been out there and people have been using the method to build a real estate for many, many years. You might think that you need a lot of money down t in order to purchase a property, but that's not the case. I shared how I was able to purchase a property with 0% down, no closing cost, no cost at all, and be able to move into a house and live there and pay less money than I was paying in rent and build equity in the house and sell the property at a profit when I had to move. You don't need to have, there are ways of purchasing property with 100% financing even other than doctor's loans, there are other ways of doing it. And even at a very, very low down payment, there are government programs that you can use uh, with a 3%, 4% down payment. And so that means that you could buy a $100,000 house for three, 4,000 down payment, and you're able to move in and and start living there and uh, building equity in the house and then maybe later resell it or you can buy it as a personal property live there for a couple of years and now this becomes your rental property you rent it out and then you move into 
a different house. The financing is different whether you are purchasing the property for your personal use versus your versus investment. If you are buying a property for personal use, then you are able to take advantages of a lot of these financing options where you are able to put very little down and purchase a property. But if you are purchasing a property for investment reasons, then usually you need to put 20-25% down that's just required by the law or how or how the banking system works so it it differs also you could try purchasing a two-family house initially so you are purchasing the property as a personal property where you will live in but you are able to rent the second portion out and the other tenants can help you pay down your mortgage as well now I mentioned foreclosure a little bit in my previous previous podcast. What is a foreclosure? So usually when you are purchasing a property here, you have three parties involved. You have the person who is buying the property who will be the owner. You have the bank who will be lending you the money to pay for that house. And then the third entity involved is not actually a person, but it's the property itself. Now, what happens normally if you are able to make your mortgage payments every month, then everything is all good. You pay that mortgage off in 10 years, 15 years, 30 years. And then at the end, the house is yours. Now, if you are unable to make that mortgage payment, then what happens is this other entity, the bank, ends up owning your property because you have not been able to make your payments. And in this case, the banks, the banks like to work with money. They like to be the middleman where they are lending money and where they are borrowing money to lend it to other people and pay you a fee for for borrowing your money. But banks do not like to own properties. They don't want to own houses. That's not a business that they deal with. Thus, when they have a house that they foreclosed on that they are able to take ownership of because the person has not been able to make their payments, they try to sell that property as, as soon as they can and at the best price that they can get. Usually the bank's interest is, is to recoup as much as what is still outstanding. That's all they care about. They want to get a property if it was loaned at uh, let's say if the more initial property is brought at hundred thousand dollars and that's how much is owned on the mortgage but the people have been able to live there and make payments for let's say twenty thousand and now the amount that's owned to the bank is eighty thousand the bank will be happy to sell that property at eighty thousand they don't care about making that extra twenty thousand to sell at a marketplace because it's not worth their time it's not worth the resources that they're gonna put in with real estate agent and other people to try to sell that house so foreclosure properties are something that you can purchase at a very low price than what they're valued at you pay the bank what is owed to them and you're able to get this property as undervalued property how do you find out if there are any foreclosed areas in your neighborhood or where you are interested in purchasing a property? This information is not hard to find. It's everywhere. You can go to Zillow and Zillow will show you if a property is in pre-foreclosure or if it's in auction or if it's being sold uh, as a foreclosure. 
and there are other websites as well it's another one is foreclosure.com there's another one reality uh, track.com for these i think you may have to pay a little bit of fee to get the listing done but a lot of websites have this information and even if you are already set on purchasing in a certain area then you can ask your real estate agent to just get you a list of the foreclosed properties in, in that area it doesn't involve extensive work or instant extensive research to try to get your hand on these properties it's very easy just ask now remember how i mentioned that if you are purchasing property for yourself and this is your first home then there are a lot of government programs out there who will also lend you money at very very low down payment one of those programs is called hud hud the department of housing and urban development this is a government entity that will back up your loan and of course when you default on that then that also goes into foreclosure but in this case it's not a private bank that's owning the property but it's the government that these FHA programs FHA stands for the Federal Housing Administration so in this case the federal government or other government programs are owning that property and they also do not like to own properties and they also want to sell these properties out and the way you get a list of these houses if there are any hot houses in uh, your area who are in foreclosure and there's a website for that as well is called uh, hud.gov so you can go there and get a list of those properties as well these houses are called repos so you can search by hud repos Buying a property and renting it out is one way of investing in real estate. The other way is flipping a property, buying a property at low value, fixing it up, and then reselling property at a higher value. This is where all the major reality TV shows come up on HGTV. So many people out there trying to make a living uh, by just purchasing properties at low value and then fixing them up and reselling them. There are other things that get involved with these these type of investments, such as capital gains tax. And uh, I will try to talk about these in the next episode. I think we're almost getting to the 20 minutes for this episode. Anyways, hope you are enjoying. And uh, please let me know if there are any other questions, any particular specific questions that you would like me to answer and thank you so much for listening in and until next time i'll talk to you later bye